Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. everybody. I hope you're having a great day. I thought today would be a good time to talk about delusions and uh, false accusations, paranoia. Why does that happen? It is so prominent when we are working with somebody, especially with Alzheimer's and Lewy body dementias. And sometimes it happens. It starts when that person feels that you are judging them, that you are looking at everything they do as though they are doing something wrong. We don't mean to do that, but it happens. I have been working with a client that I was trying to instruct to change her approach on the way she was working with her person with the diagnosis because it has reached a point where that person has delusions that uh, she is trying to take their money, she's trying to take their home, that she's always negative with them, and therefore they are now always negative with her. Sound familiar? Yes, to a lot of you, this is something that happens each and every day. We can't help it. We try to do the best we can. But in in talking with people, I find that when they are approaching the door of the home of the person with a diagnosis, they know going in that they are going to bring negative energy with them, that they are going to look for expired food. They're going to look for the sanitation in the house. They're going to look for confrontation with that person. And I, I say to people constantly, you give your energy to a person and you get back the exact same energy that you're giving. And then often we react instead of acting on a situation. Uh, so if they say something that is unkind or is a delusional thought, meaning that it is something that they believe that is not true, and we can prove that it is not true in most cases, uh, then we end up with a situation where you have a confrontation with that person. And they say, why are you here? I didn't need you here today. And you say, well, all I was trying to do was come over and bring you some food. If you don't want the food, I'll just leave. Negative meets negative, right? Negative meets negative. That doesn't work for anybody. It does not work. And it is, it's a, it's a pot that you're almost adding a lot of different uh, things to. It's like adding a bunch of different spices. But in this case, it's a bunch of different emotions. And you just stir it up and you stir it up and you stir it up until it is like a boiling point and the pot's overflowing. And once that happens... Everything goes downhill. 
Everything goes downhill. When they think that you're trying to change the way that they live, when you you make an appointment for them and they don't want to go because they think that you're trying to just put them in a nursing home. That's not in your thought process at all. You're just trying to work with them. Maybe you're trying to get somebody to come into their house for home care, supplemental health, and they now don't like that either and they think you're trying to take their money. Delusional thoughts that have really no basis But 99% of the time, delusions are based on the emotions that are being put towards that person. We cannot change the disease. I've said this a million times. We can't change the process of the disease, but you can change the way you approach that person. You need to go in with a very positive outlook and put all that energy that you have towards that person in a positive way. So as an example, if you've got a doctor appointment to go and get a diagnosis for that person or you're, you know, on a follow-up call for the diagnosis of that person and you get there and that person doesn't want to go with you, The way to combat that is to say, listen, you made this appointment and I thought it was a good idea because it's a chance for you to get what you need off of your chest. It's a chance for you to get the care from your doctors that you need from them. Uh, in in many cases, like Dr. Vaughn was saying a couple of weeks ago, there's a, a team approach. So you could say, gosh, it seemed like when you made the appointment, you liked the team approach. You liked being able to talk to a, a physical therapist. You liked being able to talk to a spiritual person. You liked being able to have a social worker included on it. Um, you liked being able to sit and talk with the doctor. And back in the day, a team approach of of spending an hour to an hour and a half with a doctor would have been absolutely unthought of. Now you have the opportunity to do that. This is a beautiful thing. I think it was a really great idea that you made that appointment. And put that onus back on the person. I just came to give you a ride. I just wanted to be supportive and and be there with you if um, you wanted an extra person and just make sure that, that we take care of everything that you feel is on your needs list. Very, very positive. We we have to take it from a place where it's it's judgment and it's persecution in that person's mind to you being kind and supportive. And I make that sound simple, but you know what? It kind of is. And it isn't going to work overnight. If you want the relationships to change, if you want the delusions to stop, You have to put that effort towards the energy to be positive with them and not get your way all the time. Maybe you don't make it to that appointment. Maybe they say no. And instead of getting angry and saying, well, you just wasted an hour of my time, say, okay, well, I'm 
I'm surprised you changed your mind. Um, if you want to do it again, we'll we'll see if we can get it rescheduled at some point in time and turn around and wish him a nice day and leave. What do you win? What do you win if you try to drag that person kicking and screaming to that appointment? Nothing. And then they get more and more negative towards your energy being in the house. And it just continues to grow and grow and grow. And you get more and more delusions and more and more difficult behavior. And and it just happens constantly. And you're never going to be able to get somebody to come into the house if they're already feeling like you, a family member, are the enemy. And now you're trying to bring in somebody else. This is a conspiracy. This is what they're thinking. And and why does that happen? Well, the, from the delusional standpoint, suddenly mom sees that there are strangers in the house, right? And they don't want strangers in the house. They, they believe that this is, um, you know, a scary thing. It's, it's somebody from the government. It's, it's whatever it is. And they get stuck on this thought that is a, a fixed false idea that that person is there to spy on them or steal their items, this is where these delusions start, and then they grow to other things. And there is a seriously a variety of potential causes for this condition, for, for this condition um, including changes in the brain that that really occur as a result of the cognitive impairment and the memory loss that, of course, we call dementia. And these issues can be really frightening for the entire family. They, you know, but the thing is, there are strategies and techniques. I work with these all the time that that you can use to try to change the trajectory so that you're not the hated um, person that's trying to steal all the money to becoming the person that is the supportive, loving thoughtful person that is just looking out for my care. So again, I want to go back to a situation where where this starts, and I'm sorry to say it this way, but caregivers, most of the time, it's the way you enter the room. It's your mindset when you go in to talk to that person. You don't realize it, but it is. So as an example, you go in and maybe you decide to look in the refrigerator to see if you can find any expired foods. Well, yeah, you're probably going to find some expired foods. And the minute you open the refrigerator and say, this has mold on it, what does that say to that person? It says, you're living unsanitarily. You're here just to find things wrong with me. And they get upset. So they will tell you all kinds of stories. Uh, The food came and we forgot to put it away. Um, They they gave it, 
they somebody gave it to them and it was already spoiled. Um, all kinds of things like that. So the thing you have to try to do is become the person that is 100% kind and generous and compassionate and supportive. And if you can't do this on your own, you're going to have to write down some positive phrases, positive sayings, positive affirmations on a piece of paper, read them before you go in, keep them in your purse, put them on your phone, whatever you need to do that you can access them easily and refer to them when you're talking to the person or you're going to get back exactly what you give. And if you think it's an easy fix, it is not. You're going to have to practice this and practice it. You need to put in at least a quarter of the time making it positive that you did when you came in and brought negative energy with you. And that could be years and years and years. But if you practice, if you try... If you walk in with a positive attitude thinking, you know what, what I need to get done today, maybe doing their laundry or something isn't going to get done, or they put up a fight instead of engaging them in the fight, um, and them thinking that you're coming in to take their clothes and you're going to steal their jewelry and you're going to do all these things, engage them in helping you to get that laundry done. Can you show me where your laundry is? Let's go grab a laundry basket and and separate the clothes and let's throw them in the washer and dryer and let's let's do this together. Make them part of the process if you can so that they can see you didn't come in to steal their objects. Stay in their sight the entire time. Smile a lot. Give them compliments. Tell them that you like the clothes they're wearing. Tell them that you think they look particularly nice today. Ask if you can open a window and maybe let some fresh air in. And here's the truth of the matter. That's the positive aspect. But what really happened is you walk in, their clothes are filthy, something smells. It The house might smell like a cat or dog feces or something else, you want to open the window because it stinks in there. And prior to today's lesson, I guess you would have walked in and said, what is that smell? Oh my gosh. And mom, you're still wearing the same outfit you had on the other day. Look, you've got clothes. You've got food on your shirt. I know, I know that a zillion of you are saying right now, Oh, that's what I do. That's what I do. That's what I've done. Well, all I have for you is this. How's that working for you? <laughs> Not well, I'm going to guess. Not well. I, I have said that it is one of my absolutes for quite some time that you set the emotional tone every time you walk into a room with a person with Alzheimer's. And... I get probably at least three calls a day from people thinking that the delusional symptoms, the paranoia, and um, just the, the general angry, you know, false accusations and things like that are part of the disease symptoms. Nope. 
It has everything to do with the energy that you have brought forth. That's it. It's as plain as simple as that. And if you have lost your center, if you have lost the ability to center yourself and pause before you say something negative and think of how you can turn it into something that is positive and supportive, uh, then you need to go back and sit for a while and read a book about Alzheimer's or uh, make a list for yourself of, of some of the comments that you've said that you think helped create the, the situation that you're in now that is so negative and so toxic and see how you can take each one of those sentences that you've said to somebody, like the house stinks, we need to open a window, and how you could change it to what I said a minute ago. Hey, it's a beautiful day. Why don't we open the window and let some fresh air in? Why is it so difficult to be kind? Why? We, we, we sometimes prefer to go through life thinking that we're victims and that the situation um, at hand is, is caused 100% by the disease. And I'm here to tell you, that's not it at all. You know, we learned as kids, and we learned in psychology classes in high school and in college, that the only people that we can change is us. And if you're a person that is argumentative, you might say, no, there are people all the time that that come into my space and will say something negative that sets my day off bad or uh, a bad encounter with a barista at Starbucks or whatever it is. And, and we think that other people have a role in how we feel and how we address things. And the truth of the matter is that most of the time we choose to react instead of act. And if you can recognize that, and if you care to be enlightened, then you can change that trajectory. You can change the entire paradigm from being a very toxic, negative situation with a zillion delusions and everybody being angry and the person having poor judgment and reasoning and thinking that you're going to steal their money and you're going to take everything they own and you're just going to throw them into a memory unit and you're beyond your merry way. That's why these things happen. It's why they happen. And if you took a second just to kind of enter that person's reality, how would you feel if when people come over to check on you, they always have a look on their face like they're disgusted with your situation? They don't like your house. They don't like the cleanliness They don't like the smell. They don't like the way you look. Can you imagine that? If you had somebody coming into your home and they looked at you that way and they made you feel like they're there just to judge everything you do throughout the day, why would you think they were there? Would you think they had some kind of an agenda? Would you think they have something that they want to do with your world, with your life, and and change the way that you are currently living, you would think they were the enemy. You would think that 
They are not there looking at your best interest. Absolutely you would. And if you say anything different, you're not being truthful with yourself. <laughs> you know, people, if we want to be good caregivers, we have to look at what energy do we bring? Are we martyrs? Are we feeling sorry for ourselves? What are we doing that's adding to stirring that pot? We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one -on -one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. All right. So I'm talking today about delusions, falsehoods fixed thoughts that are not accurate, where do they come from? What causes them? Is it the disease or is it the nature versus nurture? Is it the people in your world that are kind of making you feel that way? What's going on? Why are these starting? So I can give you another example. If you have a person who's been watching violent TV shows. That person could think that the bad guys are in their house, right? So instead of having negative energy, oh man, just turn on a political channel or the news. Are you kidding me? That can lead you in the wrong direction in a heartbeat. Turn the channel to uh, a happy show, a comedy um, some game show where people are, are making jokes and having fun and people are clapping and cheering and all that kind of stuff. Or, or change it to maybe uh, where you listen to a podcast or, a, or you're reading a book or something like that. Um, we have people that say they see strange lights. You know, they have a light coming through the window. They have shadows. They have um, just scary objects that they're seeing on the wall that per se are not there. That could be something as simple as an eye condition associated just with their aging. So maybe go have their vision checked. 
So, you know, you know if you can rule that out or not. Um, maybe get their hearing checked regularly because the swish swish that they hear that they may think is a ghost or somebody in the house could just be, you know, uh, curtains blowing in the wind. Maybe we need to shut those windows and turn on the air. When we have those fixed false ideas, check the environment. It could be anything from inadequate lighting, shadows, uh, reflections, glare, and it can trigger those delusions with a person with dementia in a heartbeat. They could seriously think that they are are seeing smoke billowing in the house and now the house is on fire or um, they think that they could hear somebody talking when maybe it was just a clanging of the of the windowsill or something like that uh, and the shades on the windowsill. So these things can be easily identified just looking around the house. Um, if they are concerned that their food tastes different or you're trying to poison them or something like that, um, one of the things that can happen is they can get a very, very bland palate where they don't taste food the way they used to and they can't taste um, spices and they want to add sugar to everything. Um, You'll want to kind of address those needs and see if there's been any changes in that person's taste buds. Maybe pull out a couple of foods and put them in front of them. See if they can taste peanut butter. See if they can taste ice cream. If they're not able to, uh, you know, adequately taste those flavors, then there there could be a situation of their palate going completely bland, and that might be why they're hiding, um, you know, paranoid behavior. They're hiding candy bars all over the house and stuff like that. Um, these are really relatively simple things. And if you can keep your person connected to the areas in their life that they have loved and they have enjoyed, you're going to minimize the delusions. You're going to minimize the false thoughts, the false fixed thoughts. You're going to minimize the paranoia that you're there to hurt them and do, do something to them. Meaningful engagement with that person can be a lot of different things. It can be making sure they have the proper food. It can be making sure that their house is clean and, and well-appointed. It can be making sure that they have the food that they like in the refrigerator. It can be that you're going to play cards with them this afternoon or take them for a walk in the neighborhood. Meaningful engagement is more than just activities. It's the emotional bond and it's the, the emotional stability that you're trying to build to keep that person happy. When they are not happy, when they feel that you don't like them, when they feel that negative energy, you will get paranoia. You will get these false delusions that you're trying to do something to them. So... Most of the time, I think that people think that you're going to move them out of their home and you're going to make them go to a memory unit. 
It happens all the time, right? But the truth of the matter is you may know they don't have enough money to go to a memory unit. That's not your goal at all. You would actually really like to just get some home care folks to come in and work with them for a few hours a day. And I'm telling you, if you think that your ability to be compassionate and kind and supportive to them doesn't come naturally, it may not happen for a caregiver either. And if they're already tilted to a point where they're not appreciating you, they're not letting you come in um, to the house, they're not letting you empty the refrigerator and things like that, you honestly think they're going to let somebody else come into the home? No. I'll tell you right now, it is not going to happen. It is not going to happen. So... And what's the what's the paranoia all about? Well, paranoia itself is is seriously a condition that develops partly through fear. I think 90% of the actions of a person with Alzheimer's comes from fear, right? And that happens when the symptoms of dementia set in. And when that person loses the ability to recognize family, friends, a home, you know, where they are, then the struggle develops within themselves. The struggle actually starts within themselves, and they're trying to make sense of what is happening. And the best they can do is hold on to the places and the things and the items that they own to keep their world from crumbling. That's where the paranoia comes from. They're desperately trying to keep everything normal. They're trying to hold on to their objects. They're trying to not let the outside world take what they have because the inside world, their mind, has already taken a majority of what they have. It's taken their memory it's taken their ability to troubleshoot. It's taken their ability to recognize family members and has turned it into this mishmash of thoughts and feelings that are not good. And you're going to get a couple of things that happen when that happens. They're either going to become depressed or they're going to become angry or they're going to become delusional and paranoid and scared of their own shadow. Literally, their own shadow. They'll look in the mirror and not recognize themselves. And how messed up is that? Right? I mean, come on. Think Again, walk in their shoes for a minute. Be in their reality. If you looked in the mirror and didn't recognize yourself, how would you feel? I mean, seriously, go look in a mirror right now. Look in a mirror and and pretend that you do not recognize yourself. That person in the mirror looks old. You feel young. It can't possibly be you. And then what else? Family members come in and they don't know who they are. They don't know their daughter from their sister to thinking their mom is still alive. There is all kinds of things 
that can go wrong when that person's mind is spiraling out of control. It's not surprising that they will do things like move their favorite vase to some other room and then think that you took it or the person that came in from the home care company, the caregiver, uh, moved it. And then if you point out that it was in another room, they might, you know, calmly apologize and and uh, take the blame for themselves. Maybe you could do that if they still seem paranoid and angry that you took their vase. You can say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I guess when I was here last week, I went to put fresh flowers in it and I moved it into the kitchen. Did you really move it into the kitchen? No. But... Isn't that easier to act than react? I don't know where your vase is. I don't know why it's missing. A lot of the times, that's the way we talk to people. We get very confrontational. I didn't take your item. And you know what happens with that? It goes worse. Now now they think you're denying it. Now they, they've engaged you into an argument about whether or not you took their purse or you took their vase or you took their deck of cards or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot win an argument with a person who is paranoid and delusional. And if you think you can, you might need to get yourself checked. Seriously. Because you just can't. If they're already on that trajectory, the only way to fix that is to answer it with positive reinforcement, supportive words, compassionate thoughts. Oh, you lost your vase? Oh, I'm so sorry. I know how much you love that vase. Can I help you look around the house to see if we can find it? It's hard for a person to be angry at you thinking you stole it if you suddenly change it to a very nice conversation and you're willing to walk around and search the house to find that vase or find that purse that they're missing. People, I'm telling you, caregiving is hard. It's easy to get mad. It's easy to get frustrated and it's easy to get angry. But if you have to go sit in the car and scream or drive out into the country and hit your horn for 15 minutes because you're just that pissed off and and feel like you have to throw a little temper tantrum because of everything that's going on, do it, but then go back and write down the things that you did or said when you came into the room with that person. Own it. Own it. And take those negatives and try to turn them into a way that you can turn the conversation around and make it a positive. That's our lesson for today. You've got to take the energy that you are giving and recognizing that those symptoms of delusions and paranoia that you are getting back came straight from your mouth. Came straight from your mouth. You got what you gave. That's how it works. That's how it works. This is not a magic bullet. This is not a crystal ball. I have worked with thousands of people with Alzheimer's, 
Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and I see this over and over and over again. And I know it's true because when I come into the house, I will, on in-home assessments, I will talk to somebody who's crying, who's think that they've lost something, and I just show them compassion and love and redirect. And like magic, whatever it was they were concerned about goes away. Happens all the time. I had an in-home assessment last Friday where a person was crying, and she cries several times a day. And her husband was telling me that she is sad a lot. And I said, well, if you thought that the people around you didn't like you, uh, if you thought that they're not engaging with you because they they don't want to be with you, which isn't the truth. It's just that they were brought into the home and given other jobs and their, their uh, time frame that was supposed to be spent working with that person and engaging that person never happened. Uh, wouldn't you want to cry too? You have strangers in your house that don't seem to want to be around you. We have to look at the situations that we are putting forth and decide if we're going to change the narrative or we're going to keep it the same. Because if you don't change the narrative, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. And isn't the isn't the actual definition of um, insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome? <laughs> and I'm not trying to call my entire caregiver nation insane, but you have to look at that. And if you keep doing things the same way, why do you expect a different outcome? If you do, I've got nothing for you. The only thing that you can change in the entire disease process is the way you approach it. And it's going to take work. You're going to have to put a lot of practice into saying something nice when you feel something negative. Innately, it doesn't feel right. It feels like combing our hair the wrong direction. But if you're willing to do that, your payoff will be great because you're never going to get someone to come into a home to work with somebody if they are paranoid and delusional. You're never going to get them to come. And and what's going to happen is you're going to get three, four, five, six caregivers, and then the family members get upset. I just want one person to come and work with with my mom or my dad or whoever it is. And the company says, well, um, they give you an excuse that that person maybe uh, has other jobs and you can't free up their schedule to get them there. Well, the truth of the matter is they came back and said, I can't work with that person every day. I'll work with them once a week, but I won't work with them every day. And so you have to look at these things and try to figure out what you can do to make it a kinder, gentler situation where that person feels loved, not judged, and cared for and appreciated. If if you don't have that, you don't get hugs, you don't get the supportive atmosphere, you don't get any positive aura at all, and it will continue to build until there is a boiling point. 
And if it does that, you will never get the power of attorney signed. You will never get that person uh, to agree with you on anything. You won't get them to the doctor appointments that you want to get them to. Um, All that goes out the window. So my friends, the rule of the day is you have to own it. You have to recognize if you were in that situation, if you are being confronted with the negative symptoms of, of these various things, delusions, paranoid behavior, you probably contributed to it. And the only way you're going to change it is to change your actions. And I hope for all of you, it's not too late. And I don't mind if you send me emails, letters, and say you disagree with me. Uh, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you on the phone to see what your situation is and how we can make it better. But I'm telling you, at least 90% of the time, I can always trace it back to the way a person approached that person. And remember, those absolutes, you set the emotional tone every time you enter that person's space. Again, you got to own it. Ask yes or no questions. At least they'll have a 50-50 chance of getting getting the answer right. Right? If they say no, they don't want to do something, they've forgotten how to do it, or they've forgotten the process, and they're scared of it, they're afraid of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, 90% of the time, a person with memory loss and, and loss of cognition is afraid of their own shadow and operates from a place of fear. I think this might be one of the most pointed shows I've done in a long time, and I do expect to get some emails at jill at summitresiliencetraining.com or on my website, Summit Resilience Training. Feel free to do that, and if you have a subject you want me to address, I'd be happy to. We have a lot of this going on, and the only thing I can tell you folks is if I'm not going to be real with you, nobody is. And I'm telling you, your doctors don't have this information. Uh, Clergy won't give you this information. I know it. I tell you so you can learn and be better. I want you to know I love you all out there, and I want you to have a good rest of your day. Take care, and I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.